Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. I'm ready. Finally, finally, when we could stand it no longer, Pastor Josh stopped preaching. It's not in the Bible. Okay. Finally, when we could stand... Wait. Yeah, okay, I'm on the right one. Finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens. We sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage your faith. All right. In the church life, guys, gals, folks, y'alls, homies, life and the world around us is so difficult and it is crashing into us all the time. And this is the thing is that what's happening in our internal world from the external pressures is hard for others to see. But if we positionally take this understanding that those pressures are existing and they're crashing on people like the waves that crash on the ocean, they're just going in and out all the time. And I, I know I've been, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like Mr. Positivity. I am one of the most positive human beings. I'm so broken with positivity. It's almost annoying to some people. And then it's also, it's kind of like a handicap for me. Like, so I have realized this about myself. So you don't have to tell me, okay, I get it. I've been told plenty of times. I've been married 28 years. I know what's going on, okay? So, but here's the thing is that that positivity, even in the midst of believing, like, we're going to, once we get through this hard season, we're going to be good, and then we're going to go in another. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. No. That's what it's going to be. You're going to have some more awesome, and then it's going to be maybe harder. Or just as hard, and sometimes there's less waves. I grew up as a fisherman. Anybody else commercial fish, or you spend a lot of time in the ocean? I spend as much time as necessary to learn this lesson. Okay. I don't really like the ocean very much. Some of you do. It makes me sick. I get sick and I throw up a lot. So, there, uh, when you're working on the beach, you know, the tide is going in and out, and then it's moving one direction or the other. So, it's like a lot of things happening at once, especially if you work in the Cook Inlet, which is like the second most aggressive tide in the world. Okay that's like the kind of tide we're in the middle of right now in the world is it's ripping, going one direction, and then the waves are pounding you. So if you're like working on the beach or your boat is close to the beach, like the waves are hitting your boat and everything is moving multi-directions at one time and it's hitting you from all kinds of different directions. And then there's these really nasty things that I don't know why they exist. I'm pretty sure the devil created this. Like part of God's creation is like normal waves and then the devil's wave is this random wave called a rogue wave. Anybody ever been hit by a rogue wave? So like you get used to all the normal waves and you're like working and picking, picking fish, you know? And then a huge one comes out of nowhere when you're not looking. And almost, I mean, I've, we, we, a couple of times we had our boat like almost tipped completely over. We would have been under it on the beach and then that's no fun by the way. Swimming in the Cook Inlet with hip waders is not fun. If anybody's ever tried it, it's not a cool thing to do. Or tangled up in a net with, yeah, could have been the end of me, right? But rogue waves are like life. 
Life can be hitting you and it's coming in and out and it's happening all the time. So when Paul leaves, he actually left the Thessalonians after he came from Philippi and he comes into Thessalonians, he creates such a ruckus. The Jews are hating him. A lot of Gentiles are hating on him, but a big core of believers get saved uh, and, and Gentiles get saved and they like really are believing and, and, and they're so strong, but he felt like he had to leave because he was causing too much turmoil in the city. So they had to leave these brand new believers behind. And they knew that those waves would be crashing in on them over and over again. And they needed something. They needed to be strengthened and encouraged. Church, this church, the people around you, the world around us is always crashing in and on us. It can't stop. And what happens is, is we try to look strong on the outside. But what's going on in here is real. And it's dark sometimes. And it's hard. And we're discouraged. And, and sometimes even like leaders, you look at leaders like myself and you're like, oh man, that guy's always up and strong. Lies. Not true. That's not me, guys. I get myself strong to serve you. And then I go be weak. Do you know that? That's true, right? And then I go get strong again, and I go serve. And then the waves of the world crash in on me just like you. And I get discouraged like you do. And I, I've had seasons of being depressed on the inside just like you have. I've had seasons of failure just like you have. And have to somehow get myself back up to, to be able to do the work of the ministry. But you know what helps the most? is first, of course, having a loving and faithful God who never gives up on us. But when we live in an environment, a community, where there are faithful and loving people that are so in love with Jesus that even when they're gone and away and separated from us, they know something's got to be going on in your life right now. Something's going on in your world. So I'm not giving up on you. My prayers are with you. I'm sending letters to you. I'm thinking about you. I'm engaging you. In fact, I'm going to send an adversary or an advocate or someone to go in my stead because I can't to help minister to you to meet the need of where you're at. To be strengthened and encouraged by the body of Christ is like no other thing. Nothing else in the world can encourage you like another believer. The love of Jesus inside of someone loving you, expecting nothing in return. That kind of love leaves a mark. It's left marks in my life. When I first got saved and I felt really abandoned, I know I wasn't totally abandoned, but I felt abandoned because my, my family really didn't like Christians very much, pretty much at all, and I got kind of pushed out pretty hard. The church became my family. The church filled in those gaps that were going in me and that were happening around me. And the church that I was in in Nikiski, it was a Nikiski Nazarene church down there, just loved and loved and loved on me. But this is what Paul was doing. He knew what was happening for them. He knew that there was struggles coming, and so he sent people to go and encourage and strengthen church. We need to be a church that this is one of the things we excel at, is strengthening and encouraging one another. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you're doing. But he encouraged them. He's like, I know you're doing this, but listen, man, don't lose focus here. You need to keep pushing on this. We need to be building each other up all the time. If you wonder if someone needs encouragement, the answer is yes. Always. No, they're not doing okay on the inside. Not completely. And not, maybe, maybe today they're okay, but guess what? Tomorrow they might not be. Because life's like that, isn't it? That rogue wave wasn't there today, but tomorrow it could hit you. 
You have no idea when it's coming. Surprise. The devil doesn't like you. <laughs> you didn't know that. Okay. Surprise. It's me. All right. We are designed to be invested in and investing in others. Designed by God. He left us needy and with gaps. And he's like, hey, I'm going to fill some of these. But then I'm leaving other ones to be filled still by me, but through others. So the Lord is technically filling all the gaps, right? He's filling all the spaces, but he's like putting it on your heart and your heart to go meet the needs of that person between you. He's putting it on your heart to go meet the needs of your brother, your sister, right? <clears throat> putting it on parents and, and, and kids and siblings and friends and neighbors, like that God's love is infiltrating our heart. It's feeding us so we can invest in others, but we're designed to be invested in by God. This is why worship is so critical and corporate worship is so critical. To be isolated and on your own outside of corporate worship, guys, it, there are things that happen collectively, supernaturally when we gather together. And you might not see them, but you're being invested in and investing in others because the Holy Spirit becomes hyperactive. He gets ADHD, hardcore, when we all get together. All the angels get really excited. The Holy Spirit goes crazy. He's like, loves our worship. And that stuff happens when we corporately worship together. In fact, it says when we, any of us, where two or more are gathered, there he shows up when we are gathered in his name. Romans 12, 6 says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. See all these positive pulls on each one of these things? Like, don't do it and complain. Ah. Uh, I had encouraged 15 people today. Those stinking weak suckers all out there are always draining me and sucking on me. Those leeches, soul suckers. <laughs> I guess I'll go do it. I'll give you, what do you need? Okay, you look, you're doing good. Blah, blah, blah. Galatians says in verse, chapter five, verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So God's design is for us to build each other up, but we have the potential to bite and devour one another, to cannibalize the church. Not cool. Don't eat your church neighbors. Lord doesn't like it. There's better food than the people around you. The people next to you, actually, they don't taste very good. People don't taste good. Did you, you, I've never tried people, but I'm guessing it's not as good as chicken. Or certainly not as good as a T-bone or, or a tri-tip, which is kind of my favorite steak, right? Now, I pro, well, I'm just not going to judge, but I promise you that the people around you and devouring them is not as good as building them. That tastes way better. 
When you taste of the fruit and the things of the Lord, when you're building up and encouraging those around you. But some of us have special gifts. We're all given significant gifts. But those of us among us, like even Barnabas, his name was, they called him Barnabas because it meant son of encouragement. Barnabas was so encouraging, they gave him a name. I can't remember what his real name was, but they gave him a name, Barney. So any Barneys in the house, like, listen, son of encouragement, and I'm talking spiritual Barneys, okay? You got a spiritual Barney going on? You know, okay, kids, you like, oh, I love you right now. All of these guys, sorry, if you haven't watched enough Barney, then that was Barney, my best attempt at Barney, okay? You shouldn't watch Barney. It's just an example, okay? That was for old school kids that grew up with that freakazoid, okay? We need the gift of encouragement. Come on. Everybody can encourage. We're all called to build one another up. But I want to call out the gift of encouragement in our church. It's time to get to work. Don't sit on your gift because the church needs you. Son of, son of encouragements out there. Us Barnabas is out there. Let's go. It's time to activate that encouragement, that gift. <clears throat> and Ephesians 4 says this. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. That's all y'all. That's all of us grows and builds itself up in love. And we heard that word today, build yourself up. Did you know it's your responsibility to build yourself up and to build up your, your individual self and a collective self? Because you're an individual temple and you're the church. You can't unchurch yourself. You gave your life to Jesus. You can stop fellowshipping with your body, which is weird, if a part of your body says, I'm not fellowshipping with you anymore, you're like, that's a bad day. I liked my finger, my toes, my arm, whatever it is, your ear, your nose, whatever happens to decide, it's not fellowshipping. Like when I got COVID, my nose decided it was no longer fellowshipping with me <laughs> for like a year. That's weird. My life was really different without being able to smell. How many of you guys lost your nose or your smelling when you had it. Wasn't it messed up? That was so crazy. I'm like, this is so crazy. I'm not even going to tell you the only things I could smell. And they smelled good. It was bad. It was really weird. You can just imagine. It was not good things. I'm like, why can I only smell this? And I know that doesn't smell good. That is not. And for like a whole, at least a year. But God is calling us. We belong to one another. We're called to build each other up, encourage one another, strengthen one another. We're called to take responsibility to grow myself and to grow others. And if I'm not in the body, if I'm not placed inside of a local church, building and active and working and mattering to others, then I'm not growing. When I invest in others, I'm investing in me. And others are investing in me, even if I don't know it. Amen? All right. Get plugged in. Do something. Verse three. And to keep you from being shaken by the troubles. Okay, so we're talking about um, we sent Timothy, right? So they sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage them in their faith. And it goes on, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles that you're going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. Kind of a bummer. Those waves crashing in, they're just part of the world. Even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would come soon or soon come. And they did. As you well know, verse five, that is why 
When I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. So Paul understands something that's going on all the time. And he even talked, talks, you know, in his letter and says that he had been resisted even by the enemy when he was trying to go places. And the enemy is real. The devil is real. People really worship him. This isn't fiction. This isn't, the witchcraft is like a real thing. Witches and stuff. I know this sounds weird. It sounds like Harry Potter, but it's not like Harry Potter, guys. This is like evil. Okay, this is bad. This is, people are literally hate our church. The enemy hates you and hates your church. And he is wanting to throw everything he can at you. And the Bible says he's actually like a lion that's, that's prowling around to see who he can devour all the time. You're not safe. Don't believe you're safe. You're safe in Jesus. That's it. And that is only eternal safety, guys. There's no promise that your physical body is going to be safe. Jesus said, when you give your life to me, be willing to die. Give it all up. Because you're living in a harsh land right now. And there's an enemy that's out trying to get you. And listen, I have got you. You're safe in me. Your eternal life is what you're living for. And Paul even said this in Philippians. He said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He goes, I don't even know which is better. That's the mindset we have to have. Is that giving up our life to a point to where we're like, it doesn't matter if I live or die. I've died to all that. I'm living for heaven. I'm living for my future, what I was made for. I'm a foreigner here, and I am a native there. I'm a native in heaven. When you give your life to Jesus, you're now a, a, a heaven native. Did you know that? A native, native heavener, right? Cool to be a native Alaskan. Cool to be a native American. Cool to be a native Scandinavian, whatever you are, okay? Even cooler to be a native heavener, Right? You're a native of heaven, and here is a foreign land that is harsh and not cool. An enemy is roaring, he is prowling, trying to gobble everything up and trying to wreck your life. And this is why we can't be so complacent. We've got to wake up and be on guard. And I love this word that came today, is to hide ourselves in the word, to feast on the word of God, because that gets our mind and our head straight. Right? The word of God gets our head straight so we can't just be pushed all around and the enemy can't get to us in here. And he, we don't want him getting to us in here or between us. In here, right? Because that's what he is all about. He is primary strategy is to discourage you from any and all kingdom activity. His primary strategy is to keep you from prayer, reading your Bible, discipling others, worshiping and worshiping with others, serving, serving others, sharing the good news about Jesus, or even just sharing your testimony to working together as a team. He is trying to get the church to stop working together as a team. He's trying to disillusion you so that you believe the church is powerless. It has no effect it's just a waste of time. It's some old construct that a bunch of hillbillies made up or a bunch of over-religious pope, you know, dudes made up. Lies. These are all lies from the enemy. The church is the most powerful force on the planet when it's filled with the love and the spirit of God. And it's living according to the wisdom and the truth of his word. Just saying. 
But the enemy is trying to shut all of that down. But we know something is true is that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And that's a righteous person, by the way, not just a dude. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word is powerful and alive and effective, and it's sharper than every two-edged sword. It cuts through bone and marrow and spirit and soul. <laughs> Romans 8 says that we are more than conquerors. Holy smokes. Nothing can stand against the church when it's full of his power, his spirit, his love. Jude 17 says this, but dear friends, remember what the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you. Who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Hello? Just so you know, Karen had no idea what I was preaching today. Zero. I never tell virtually anybody what I'm preaching. And are you guys hearing that prophetic word? Over and over again? This is when you start to hear, oh, there's alignment with what the Lord is doing. So good job seeking the Lord, Karen. Good job. You get a gold sticker, but you really want one from Jesus, not me, right? Okay, but listen, I'm going to read it again, Jude 20. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, don't minimize your faith. Your faith is holy. Your faith is important. Your faith makes a contribution. And your faith is your responsibility. Huh? Come on. And by praying in the Holy Spirit. The enemy wants to stop people from praying in tongues. This is not just prayer inspired by the Holy Spirit, guys. That is effective. But this is literally talking about your prayer language and being able to pray in the Holy Spirit. Empowered by, that's what it means. Empowered by, driven by the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't really activated that, keep pursuing it. Don't give up on it. There's nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. It is a weird thing to do. And it does mess up with a lot of our heads and it takes time sometimes. Get out of the shame bucket and just get into the faith bucket. Lord, I want this. I want to keep pursuing. There's nothing wrong with me, even if I feel like I'm held back. I know I was just thinking about a friend of mine that was telling me a story about where she was at when the Holy Spirit filled her. It was like, boom, just dropped on her. Bam, life transformation. I mean, just turn on like a light switch and radically shifted her ability to grow in the Holy Spirit as well as combat in the Spirit. I mean, it's just a big deal. And this is part of a church being filled and effective as it is full of the Holy Spirit and activated faith. Verse 21, and keep yourselves in God's love. Keep yourselves in God's love. So you can drift out of God's love. Unhealthy churches lean more on like legalism of do all the right things and away from fall in love with Jesus while he helps us become or live to the righteousness he purchased and placed inside of us. Okay. We want to be the latter. We want to be ones that are just in love with Jesus. We're all trying to work out our salvation and we're trying to encourage others to do the same rather than crack down on them when they miss it. Amen. Otherwise we're all getting spankings every day. That's no fun. Okay, as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. What a great promise. 
The church is the rock, and it's the gates of Hades that can't stand against the church. Not the other way around. Not us crashing up against the gates of Hades trying to bust the doors down. No, the, the, the gates of Hades cannot overcome the church because it's so powerful. Acts 1.8 says that, that God, Jesus said to the disciples, says, I have, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and I will give you power to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and all, the word, all, all of the earth. God wants to empower you with the Holy Spirit, the whole church with the Holy Spirit. Where there are two or more gather, I said this before, there he will be with all, us in that moment all the time. And he says that I will be with you to the end of the age. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. The Holy Spirit's not going anywhere till it's all done. Church is not drying up. I don't care what kind of eschatology or end time theology you have, okay? It's called eschatology in Bible nerd language. It doesn't matter what you believe about all that stuff. Jesus is not leaving through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going anywhere till it's all done. You will be fully empowered to the finish line. You do not have to suck as a Christian. The church doesn't have to suck as a church, okay? We don't have to be weak and powerless. It's not what it has to be. We can be powerful and strong and building one another up as the storms and the tides of the, of the world around us crash and flood and try to create, wreak havoc. No, we're going to walk and we're in favor of God. We're going to be blessed and we're going to grow, 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 grow all the time. Come on, man. Let the persecution come. Now we'll be the next fastest growing church in the world. How about that? Bring it. Let's go. Just let the enemy bring it on. And then let's just let the, let the church just multiply and blow up. And this, this whole nation will flip again. All right. These three things will remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Because love never fails. Every time you get more militaristic in your thinking, I want you to ratchet up the love notch at the same time. Because get this militaristic thinking as a church is really good because we get fired up and it's like time to go. Let's go. We're going to march. We got marching orders. We're going like Marines. We're love Marines. We're not judgment Marines, okay? We're not like angry people. Angry Christians are lame Christians. They're really annoying. Judgy Christians, self-righteous Christians, hypocritical Christians are lame Christians, powerless Christians. They have a powerless gospel. They're not preaching the true gospel at all. Because the true gospel is, but the grace of God, there go I. The true gospel is, I'm a broken vessel that needs Jesus as much as anybody else on this planet. I am empty and I am needy. And with the Holy Spirit, I am powerful and I am strong. And with his church, I am unstoppable. And you're all welcome, no matter who you are and what you've done or where you're at or what you're struggling with or how many times you struggle with it, everyone is welcome. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the gospel. The early church got really stagnant because they forgot one thing that Jesus told them to do. And he said, go. And then they stayed. And you know what happened to the early church? They call it the great despora. It's the great dis dispersing of the church. Nero happened to the church. Kabam. And you know what happened then? They all went. <laughs> and then the gospels were Jesus spread all over the world. 
So when the devil tries to come against you with division, disillusionment, discouragement, and deception, rise up and punish him with acts of obedience as a church, as individuals and as a church, okay? So when he comes against you, then, then you're going to pray. The enemy's attacking your life. You're having lustful thoughts or you're, you're, you're struggling with, you, you want to take something that doesn't belong to you. You're, you're thinking about cussing somebody out. You're struggling in your marriage, whatever it happens to be. You're going to punish the enemy for crashing into your life with kingdom activity. This is a very simple Spiritual maturity practice. Fundamental Christian, spiritual warfare is not, I got to pray against the devil. You don't. You resist the devil and you pursue the Lord. And when you pursue the Lord, you're going. You're like, oh, you're going to start tempting me and doing all that? Guess what I'm going to start doing? You start praying in tongues. You start praying like crazy for other people, not against him. Praying for salvations. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you want to keep that junk up? I'm going to go witness to somebody. Then you go out and you tell somebody about Jesus. He's like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. The last thing he wants to do is activate the church every time. And he'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He'll back off. If you activate every time he infiltrates, then he's going to leave you alone. He'll keep trying, but I promise you it works every time. Go. If you're wondering and you're like struggling with something, go. Get up out of your seat. Go out on the street and tell somebody your testimony. Enemy, off. Gone. Start praying for other people's salvation especially. Go bless somebody. Go give an offering. Go find somebody in your neighborhood and like bring them food that need it. You know, that's an offering too. It's not just, okay. See, when your body sits for too long, it begins to atrophy. Anybody feel that during COVID? You're like, dude, I'm sitting way too long. And the more we sit, the more we believe we cannot do. The more we atrophy, the weaker we feel, and we weaker we feel mentally and physically. And we don't realize that we could re-strengthen ourselves if we built ourselves up. We could re-strengthen ourselves for so much more activity. Uh, I, I got a friend at the gym that I thought he was 60. I literally thought he was 60 years old. And he's literally just about to turn 80. And he is jacked and he is shredded up. And I mean, he he is so mobile. I'm like, wow, this guy's amazing. But he's serious about this one thing in his life, taking care of his health and his body, right? And he's been blessed, you know, that he's not got some sort of illness or whatever. But still, the dude's 80. And he's, I mean, he is, he is fit. I'm like, dang. I'm not into dudes, but you look good. I'm I'm serious. The church can stay mobile hostile, agile, all the way. That's a quote from Remember the Titans, if you guys like that movie. Uh, All the way to the end. Y'all, you don't have to get old. Old's a mindset. My dad always says this. uh, John Wayne said this in some movie or was quoted saying this or whatever. He says, don't let the old man in. My dad always says that to me whenever I'm standing up and groaning and making old guy stuff. Because I'm like acting like an old guy in my 40s. You know, he's like, don't let the old man in, boy. It's funny. The church needs to not let the old man in, man. God has called us to be 
mobile, hostile, agile. We're called to wreak havoc on the enemy. But if we sit too long, we start to atrophy and we believe differently about ourselves. But if you just start to get active, all of a sudden you realize, holy smokes, I can do a whole lot more than I thought I could. All right, verse six. But now Timothy had just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. And he reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. There's just a couple points I want to make here as we kind of get ready to wrap up, is that the the strength of building genuine relationships in a church is not to be minimized. Paul did this everywhere he went. And he talks this way with all the churches he left and everything he ever wrote. He talks about how affectionately they love one another. Earlier in Thessalonians, he says that they didn't share just the gospel, but their own lives as well. It's personal church. When we make church impersonal, it's when it is lame. It's actually when we become weak. It has to become personal in all of our individual relationships. It's why we cultivate our care network the way we do. And it's part of the care network vision is to cultivate these intimate and lasting and real relationships. And that's what we do in there is, is we help people really learn who each other is and be there for one another. And we're called to make disciples, right? To invest in those individuals. And that is what we see Paul doing everywhere he goes. It matters, and not only to them, but it, he could see that it was reciprocated, that those people loved him too. And they also, their, that their faith and their activating of the gospel encouraged him to go on. And so this is one of the things that's a relationship between leadership in the body of Christ and those that are activated, is that both encourage each other. When I hear people respond to the word and then they, they're giving and then God's blessing them, that encourages me. That testimony encourages me to keep preaching, keep going. Paul's faith was encouraged because he heard, listen, they didn't give up. They didn't let the enemy smoke them. They didn't let the tides roll over them and wash them up on shore and they just gave up. That, that faith builds all of us. And do we ever need strong leaders in the body of Christ? Especially now. So this is a team effort, right? Church is a team effort, guys. We're all in it together and we're all doing our little part. And, and man, we, we, each one of us needs that encouragement from the top to the bottom, from the old to the new, right? For, or the mature, been around long enough, looking for heaven, right? More and more every day to the brand new baby Christians among us. Each one of us needs this kind of encouragement. And the young ones around us, folks, we're vulnerable. You need to be baptized and y'all need to get in relationships because the enemy's trying to smoke you. And it's serious to him. He wants to shut you down. And we need each other and we need the encouragement. We need the building up. And every time this testimonies, these testimonies happen around us, the angels in heaven, they celebrate. God gets fired up and angels begin to celebrate and worship all the time when we see the kingdom of God moving. Okay, verse nine. How we thank God for you because, you, because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill in the gaps of your faith. 
That's just where I want to leave you is that I want you to think about this, that unity in the name of our church is Unite Church for a reason is because we believe that unity ought to be our focus in the kingdom. To have unity, we have to have Jesus. To have unity, we have to have love. To have unity, we have to have humility. But we're designed, and it says it here, to fill in the gaps between us and in us. So there's gaps in each one of our lives. Everybody has gaps. We all got gaps. This is Rocky Balboa theology right now, right? If any of you guys like to watch Rocky, the reason he picked Adrian was because he said, yo, Adrian, you know, she's got gaps and I got gaps, yo. We fill each other's gaps. You guys need to watch more movies. (laughs) This is the church. We have gaps inside of us. And this is one of the reasons we need each other is we need to help fill the gaps in us and between us. The farther apart we are, the more vulnerable we are for the enemy to get between us. So without connection, without communication, without proximity, being together, it's why gathering together and worshiping together, working together, discipling together, uh, praying together, all of these things get us closer and closer and closer. Getting connected and deeper connection helps protect us. And we're a bunch of herd animals, right? We're not wild beasts. We're herd animals. We're sheep is what the Lord calls us, right? So you know how sheep protect themselves and like herd animals do? They go butts in and horns out. And then they get really close. Butts in and horns out. This is how the kingdom works. The kingdom of God is like a bunch of sheep, butts in and horns out. That should be in the Bible. It's not, okay, but it should be in there. (laughs) If I was allowed to write one verse, that's the verse I would write. The Lord's like, Josh, you're so stupid sometimes. Okay. So together and tight and we're not, we're not biting each other. Sheep start biting each other and they turn around and then the wolves come get them, right? They get the soft parts. We get nostled in together, but we have to trust one another. We have to know one another. We have to get closer. We stay warm. We stay connected. We stay safe. That's how we fight. Together, horns out, Right? rooted and full and worshiping and led by the Spirit, serving and giving and discipling. These are the fundamentals. But you have to understand that Paul knew this. We know this. We're designed to have our gaps filled by the church through the love of Jesus. Through Jesus and through the love of Jesus through the church between us and in us. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.